Today I want to talk with you about a topic that uh, everybody thinks I'm talking to somebody else. Uh, We're going to talk about dealing with hurt in the family. If you have your Bible, if you'll turn to Genesis 45, we're going to look at verses 4 and 5 in just a few minutes. I want to kind of set it up until we get to the uh, text. Let me ask you this morning, do you have some painful things going on in your family? Somebody's out of sorts with uh, somebody else. Somebody's mad at somebody else. Somebody hates somebody else. Do you have stuff going on in your family? I had a lot of stuff in my family all all through, really, through my whole life. Uh, When I was a little kid, I talked all the time. And my brother uh, thought I was a pest, and I evidently just drove him crazy. When I was about six and a half and he was 11, our folks uh, took us to the circus that came to Chattanooga. And so we went in, we were trying to go through all the different places, and one of the booths there at the circus had a wheel with a handle on it, and The gist of it was if you took the handle and you spun the wheel uh, to the degree that you turned it, it would shock you. And so, you know, people did it just a little tiny bit and they got a little bitty shock and then they would do it a little bit and they'd get a little shock. And, you know, people thought that was kind of fun and so people were doing it. And, of course, I couldn't read very well. And uh, my brother said, I bet you're not strong enough to grab hold of that wheel and turn it real fast for a long time. I bet you can't do that. And so I, you know, wanted to prove that I could do it, of course. So I jumped up there and grabbed that uh, little handle on the wheel, and I just spun it like crazy. And uh, sure enough, in about a minute, it shocked the devil out of me. (laughs) I think, I'm not sure, but I think I fell on the ground, in fact. It was scary. I got so mad at my brother. I thought that was so mean. I couldn't believe he did that to me. Just as mean as you could possibly be. He had ringworm at one time. And uh, I saw him rubbing his uh, leg where he had ringworm with my towel. I mean, I could just tell you these stories uh, on and on. I mean, it was uh, not good. I served in a certain church in a town where there was a doctor that most everybody in the town knew. And uh, he was, uh, everybody thought, a real nice guy. I don't really know the whole story, but I guess his wife was having an affair with somebody because she pulled into the driveway one day and he met her uh, in the driveway with a gun and he shot her twice and killed her. And the two kids were standing right there and saw the whole thing. And I'm thinking, these kids are marred for life. You know, they saw all that. This guy was a doctor in town and, you know, everybody thought, good night, can't believe he did that. Well, a lot of hurt goes on in families. 
it goes all the way from being a little bit shocking to being a whole lot dead. Uh, you know, there's, there's stuff that's going on. There are affairs, there's divorces, there's embezzlement, there's lying, there's jealousy. Uh, it's all around us, just all kinds of stuff. One of the most tragic realities of family life in America today is that we impose hurt on each other. Uh, This hurt has many different names. Sometimes it is the intense hurt of abuse or rejection. At times it is subtle hurt where there is neglect and indifference. There is the physical abuse. I remember counseling a lady one time that would come in and she'd have uh, marks all over uh, from where her husband beat her up. And I told her, I said, uh, you know, that's not, that's not right. And she would say, well, it's not his fault, it's my fault. And uh, I'd say, no, no, that's, that's his fault. If he's doing that, that's his fault. And, I, you know, I would argue with her about giving him some of the responsibility for what was going on. And she never wanted to give him any fault. She wanted to take all the fault herself. And I told her on numerous occasions, you need to get out of there. You know, that's ridiculous, living in a house where your husband's beating you up every week. That's crazy. Um, That was one of my counseling moments that wasn't uh, just according to the book. Uh, There is hurt caused by verbal tirades. You know, when we were, most of us were growing up, there weren't a lot of air conditioners and everybody in the neighborhood had their windows open. And, you know, we had people on our block that would scream and yell at each other and everybody, everybody could hear it. You know, it wasn't any secret. You could hear them. The windows were open. They were screaming at each other. There's hurt also caused by our silence. By whatever name, hurt is often inflicted within the family circle. A quick glance at the Bible reveals that this is no modern-day phenomenon. This has been going on for thousands of years. We've been hurting each other within the family for a long, long time. A clear biblical illustration of this family reality is found in the story of Joseph in the Bible. Joseph was a number of things. He was bright, very, very bright. He was very, very obnoxious. He was gifted. He was his father's favorite son. Everybody knew that. No question about that. He aggravated his brothers so much that they decided peace would only come in their family if they got rid of him. They wanted him out of there. He was driving them all crazy. Wasn't fair what was going on in their family, they thought. So one day there was a group of Bedouins going by. Uh, They were on their way to Egypt, and they thought, you know, I bet we could sell him to them. And that's exactly what they did. They sold him to be a slave, and they carried Joseph on down to Egypt. Because of Joseph's strong character, and because the hand of God was upon him, he overcame the families inflicted hurt on him, and he eventually worked his way up in the structure 
in Egypt, and he became the prime minister of the whole country. He became second in charge of everything. It's just an incredible story. I'm sure you've read it or heard about it. The most intriguing part of the Joseph story to me is when his brothers uh, came years and years later before him and he uh, saw them and the dynamics of what all went on, that's just fascinating uh, to me. Uh, A famine had come throughout uh, that whole area of the world and, of course, Jacob uh, didn't have any food and his family didn't have any food. So he sent all of his sons down to Egypt to buy some food. They had a lot of food in Egypt. So here come all of Joseph's brothers. When these brothers were brought before Joseph, they didn't recognize him, but he recognized them right away. He knew who each one was. In chapters 42 through 44, we see the unfolding of this family drama as Joseph tested his brother's spirit and examined their behavior. Finally, in Genesis 45, verses 4 and 5, that's our text for this morning. If you have it, let's look at it together. Uh, The Bible says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, who you sold into Egypt. And now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. And then in conclusion, look over to verse 15. It's just a little ways down. And Joseph kissed all of his brothers and wept with them. And afterward, his brothers talked with him. A terrible, terrible hurt in this family had been overcome through the process of forgiveness all the way to reconciliation. The question is, this morning, can that happen to us? If there's some big problem in our family with our husband, our wife, our kids, our grandkids, our brothers, our sisters, our cousins, our aunts, our uncles, whoever it might be, can we work through it like Joseph did? Can we have a peace and a calm come Uh, through taking some deliberate steps uh, to get us there. If it can happen for us, how does it happen? Uh, When does it happen? Uh, Well, let me tell you. It will happen because you have taken deliberate steps, honest steps, and incremental steps. Have you just had it with your mate, uh, with your kids, with the whole, you know, whoever it is in your family? Have you just had it with them? Well, I have a plan for you today to work through your hurt. First of all, moving from hurt through forgiveness to reconciliation must be done deliberately. That's number one. It must be done deliberately. It begins with you making a decision that something has to happen. You've got to make that decision. That's the key thing. Somewhere in the process of those passing years, Joseph made a decision to forgive his brothers. 
We don't know when that happened, but we know for sure that it did happen. We know that it happened because of Joseph's immediate reaction uh, when the brothers stood before him. He could have ordered them killed. He had the power. He had the authority. He could have said to the guards, take these guys out and kill them right now. And they would have done it, no questions asked. He had that kind of authority. Uh, He had justification to do it. They had sold him, a free citizen, into slavery. That was a terrible, terrible crime that they had done. But he didn't do any of that. Because he had decided to forgive. We know that it happened because of his response in verse 5. When he said to his brothers, "Uh, don't be grieved, don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me down here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. In other words, God had a plan for this. Uh, This was all in the working out of God's plan. Somewhere along the way, Joseph made the decision, I'm going to forgive my brothers for what they did to me. In many cases, forgiveness is never given, and reconciliation never occurs because that initial decision is not made. It's easier at times to build a shrine around our hurt and spend the rest of our days worshiping at that shrine. You know, you get a divorce and you say, you know, I just hate her, or I just hate him. And every day you go to that shrine in your mind and you say, I just hate them. And it just goes on and on and on. Well, forgiveness and reconciliation are possible only when a decision is made. It must be done deliberately. Second, moving from hurt through forgiveness to reconciliation must be done honestly. That's a big part of it, honestly. Uh, Notice in the story that Joseph did not immediately fully forgive. He had forgiven them, but not not to the 100% mark. Uh, The moment they were brought into his presence, uh, they they came in chapter 42. Now there's 42, 43, 44, these chapters. A lot of things happened in there. He did not fully forgive them until chapter 45. There was no easy, quick forgiveness here, but a forgiveness which came after hours and hours of honest consideration of the actions that called for forgiveness. Honesty does a couple of things in this process. It will in each of our lives. Honesty will lead us to confess that we were contributors to the problem too. Now, a lot of people have a real hard time coming to that point. They think, well... You know, it was 100% their fault. Let me tell you from 51 years of counseling folks, usually it's at least 1% your fault. (laughs) Maybe 10%, maybe 49% your fault. Uh, We need 
to honestly look at that. Well, it was true of Joseph. Joseph was very arrogant. He was filled with pride. He would tell all of his brothers all the time, I am far superior to any of you. Dad likes me the best. I'm the favorite. Uh, He had created the context in which they felt compelled to get rid of him. In, In a lot of ways, it was his fault. Perhaps one person was at fault when the actual uh, selling him away was administered, but tangled around that initial hurt are a lot of other actions and attitudes and words that played a big part in it. Honesty will lead us to acknowledge our part in the problem. Honesty will also compel us to root out our feelings our feelings that are within, and work through those feelings. That is, in part, what Joseph was doing between chapter 42 and chapter 45. Sometimes our problem is not that we are not willing to forgive, but that we are willing to forgive too quickly. Somebody in the family does something really bad to you, and you say, oh, I forgive you. Well, Such quick forgiveness does not move us past the hurt. We need to look at it a little bit and deal with it a little bit, honestly, and then uh, come up with a plan how we're going to handle it. It is is simply submerged sometimes. Our hurt is just put down like a landmine. And then at some future time, there's a great big surprise when this thing just blows up right in our face because we didn't completely work through the process of thinking about it, praying about it, forgiving, and coming to reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation come only through an honest appraisal of the hurt and what must be done to move past the hurt. Third, moving through hurt to forgiveness and reconciliation must be done incrementally. Forgiveness usually moves through three steps. Step number one, we feel the anger. Anger is our natural response to any deep and unfair pain that has been administered to us. It is our instinctive backlash against anyone who wounds us wrongly. It may be passive anger, a grain of malice that robs us of the energy to wish a person well. Or it may be an aggressive anger, a fury that generates bitterness within We wave our arms and yell and scream and cuss and maybe even come to fisticuffs over it. If you do not feel that anger is a first response, you probably have not honestly dealt with your hurt. If you feel anger as an abiding response, then you have probably not adequately moved beyond your hurt. The key is to learn how to walk the fine line between expressing your anger in such a way that it destroys the other person who hurt you 
or on the other side of the line, suppressing your anger in such a way that you destroy yourself. Second, we need to decide to forgive. Forgiveness is always a choice. We have to make that choice. It has to be obvious in our mind that we have made that choice. We can choose to hold on to our hurt, or we can choose to forgive the hurt. It's a choice. And then third, we bring closure. You know, there's a process here. There's steps that we take. After we felt the full scope of our emotions, we must bring the situation, the issue, to some kind of closure. In some instances, closure means that you get back together and you work on it. You tell each other that you love each other. You try to work through it. You try and take the appropriate steps along the way. Not any giant, giant steps, small steps. You work through it. Despite the scar, which still brings pain occasionally, the joy of being together is greater than the sadness of being apart. And you realize that. In other instances, closure means simply letting go. Sometimes the hurt causes such a chasm between you and the other person that it can never come back together again. When you do that, you need to let go rather than bring it up every day for the rest of your life in your mind and worry and fret and stew every day over it for the rest of your life. Let it go. We can release the hurt and move past it. In either case, closure is the final step that we must move past to get rid of the hurt and move to healing. In conclusion, why should we move past the hurt through forgiveness to reconciliation? Why should we do that? There's two main reasons, and I want to present these to you. These are important, very, very important for your life. Number one, because of what it will do for our family. Because families are made up of imperfect people. We will continue to hurt each other. I've had a few people along the way that told me they were perfect. But uh, I didn't believe them. I don't know anybody that's perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. You know, I really, I know some people who think they are perfect. And, uh, you know, they, they hurt people. Because we are imperfect, we will continue all of our lives to hurt people. Sometimes it's the person that's the closest one to us, even though superficially things might look pretty good. The only hope we have for a healthy and happy home is for individuals who are secure enough and courageous enough and loving enough to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. 
And you have to be able to say, I forgive you when you've been hurt. Works both ways. You need to be able to forgive and then move on. There's another major, major reason why you should work through forgiveness to reconciliation. Because of what it will do for you. For you. Someone once put it like this. To forgive is to set the prisoner free. Only to realize that the prisoner was you. To survive hurt in the family. To move past the hurt to reconciliation. And to set ourselves free from the bondage of hate. We must learn how to forgive. There was a preschool child in the mall that became separated from her mother. And the mother uh, just wasn't paying enough attention to the kid. And they got way away from each other. And the little girl started crying because she didn't know where her mother was. Well, finally, authorities were called in. And the little girl was asked if she knew her parents' name. And she said, yes, I do. My mommy's name is mommy, and my daddy's name is daddy. Well, they worked with her for a while, and they couldn't really get any information that was helpful. And so finally, all efforts to get her home failed. The police were reluctant to place the child in a foster care program overnight, but the day was almost over, and they didn't know what else to do. So the child was uh, put into a police car, and they were driving that way, and the little girl was looking out the window, and she noticed a church steeple in the distance, and she said, that's the church where I go. If you'll take me to the church, I can find my way home. We teach at the church how to move past hurt through forgiveness, to reconciliation. We help people to find their spiritual moorings. Have you been lost in hurt and anger? And you've been there for a good while. Today, why don't you come home to the Lord? Why don't you come through his church to him. Take a step today that will not only help your family, but that will help you. Today in this service, we have a lot of people here that aren't feeling any hurt, any anger, any agony over various things. They're here because they came to worship today. But maybe you need today to find a Savior. His name is Jesus. He gave his life for you. He loves you. And he wants you to be one of his. Everything that happens because of that relationship is wonderful for you. If you'd like to trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior today, then you need to 
confess your sin. Say, Lord, I've sinned. Please forgive me of it. I claim you as my Lord and Savior. And that will be done. And you'll be one of his. Today, there are folks that are visiting with us that have been visiting for a good while. We hope that you would come and join with us, be a part of our family. We're really trying to do something significant, not only in Sun City Center, but, but beyond this immediate area to a, uh, an area surrounding us and then an area surrounding that. We're building a new building so that we can teach more people and train more people and help more people to a closer walk with the Savior and to a walk that would be meaningful in the lives of those that are outside of the family of faith. Today, if you're here and there's a decision that you'd like to make that would honor Jesus, we pray that you'd do it. Just slip to the aisle and slip forward. I'll be standing right down here at the front waiting on you to come. Let's stand together as we sing.